0: Did you know the tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas predates that of William Shakespeare? The tradition's roots can be traced back to the ancient Yule practices of Western and Northern Europeans. Welcome to the Lore of the South. Hey y'all, welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz. Y'all, Let's make Christmas spooky again. It was tradition for hundreds if not thousands of years for our ancestors to sit around their smoky hearths and tell stories of the dead rising again during the longest and coldest nights of the year. And Laura the South is bringing it back, y'all. In our two episodes this month, and maybe a bonus if y'all are good lots, listeners, and leave us a positive review or two, We're going to keep it spooky and talk about some ancient and not-so-ancient traditions that come from around the world. For the month of December, we're going to be straight out of the South, y'all, and have a month of field trip episodes. And that brings us to episode 32, A Very Haunting Holiday. We're going to have a virtual holiday over the pond in England, where we're going to venture into four haunted locations and meet the specters that are known to make their appearances only once a year for the Christmas holiday. Our first story takes us to the childhood home of the tragic Anne Boleyn in Kent. She was the second wife of Henry VIII, the one that triggered the separation of the Church of England from Rome. Anne was beheaded at the age of 35 after failing to produce a living male heir for Henry. She was found guilty of high treason, adultery, and incest all of which were trumped-up charges to get Anne out of the way for Henry's third wife, Jane Seymour. Anne's ghost is known to haunt many locations across England, including the tower where she spent her final days. But it's at Christmas that she returns to the Bolands' family home of Hever Castle every Christmas Eve. Her pale ghost is seen to glide almost sadly across the small bridge that bleeds to her old home. Does she return to the place where she remembers happier times? Or do the council grounds hold on to an old memory of the tragic queen, the mother of England's greatest monarch? Now we're traveling north from Kent to Norfolk to the ancient Sandringham House, one of QE2's many private residences. Sandringham House was built on the ruins of an ancient Roman villa. It was recorded in the Doomsday Book of 1086, a survey of Breton after the Norman Conquest. It was also famously owned by Anthony Woodville in the 15th century, brother to Elizabeth Woodville, who married the conquering King Edward IV. In a home as ancient as this, ghost stories abound. The old home is so large that many parts are in disuse. One story goes that a much younger Prince Charles and his valet had ventured down one of the abandoned corridors in search of some old and valuable prints, when the pair were overcome by a wall of freezing cold air. They also had the distinct feeling of being watched, and even stalked, though they appeared to be no other living soul about. I didn't see in any of my research that the prince was able to retrieve the prints he had been hunting for, or if they gave up that search. In one hall, known as the Sergeant Footman's Corridor, the maids refuse to go alone and will only clean rooms along the hallway in pairs or in groups. The light switches flip themselves on and off. Heavy booted footsteps can be heard moving up and down the hall with no bodies attached to them. Maybe the most frightening report from this part of the house is the disembodied sound of heavy labored breathing. ...that sometimes can be felt down the back of one's neck. In the servants' quarters, there is apparently a ghost who does not appreciate the Christmas spirit. Their personal Christmas cards will be found scattered about their rooms and sometimes torn. Bedding will be pulled from their beds, and again, maids will report the feeling of someone breathing down their necks. These same things happen year after year while the queen is in residence for the holidays. Finally, in what is considered maybe the most haunted room in St. House, the library. One servant had popped into the empty room to try to steal a nap, when he was rudely awakened by a book flying through the air past his head, followed by many more falling from their places on the shelves. He was still completely alone in the room, or it seemed to be. Other reports say the hands on the clocks will be seen to move on their own, not necessarily keeping the right time. Maybe the servant upset the ghost of a devoted servant of the past, and he set about trying to set this new servant who dared to nap on the job straight in the only way a ghost could. We're going to stay in Norfolk for our next tell and visit the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall. The 400-year-old Hall has been home to the Townsend family for all of this time. Dorothy Walpole was married to the second Viscount Charles Townsend in July of 1713. She was beautiful and came from a very prominent and well-to-do family. And Charles was known to be the jealous and violent sort. Dorothy was caught having an affair with Lord Wharton. Charles then imprisoned the beautiful Dorothy in her rooms at Raynham. She was never allowed out and never allowed to see her children again. In some reports, Charles even held a fake funeral for the adulterous Dorothy. Dorothy lived out the last years of her life locked away from everything she loved. She passed away on March 26, 1726, from smallpox at the age of 40. Fast forward, nearly 100 years later, when the first sighting of the brown lady occurred at a Christmas party hosted by one of Dorothy's descendants. A guest at the party reported seeing a woman dressed in an outdated brown brocade gown drifting down the corridor past her room. The next night, another guest encountered the brown lady this time on the Grand Staircase. Once again, she was described as being dressed in a brown brocade pattern gown, and when the guests looked into the apparition's face, where her eyes should have been were nothing but black sockets. A year later, another sighting was reported by Captain Marriott. His daughter, Florence Marriott, wrote the following story of his experience. He took possession of the room in which the portrait of the apparition hung in which she had often seen, and slept each night with a loaded revolver under his pillow. For two days, however, he saw nothing, and the third day to be limit of his stay. On the third night, however, two young men, nephews of the baronet, knocked at his door as he was undressing to go to bed, and asked him to step over to their room, which was at the other end of the corridor, and give them his opinion on a new gun just arrived from London. My father was in his shirt and trousers, but as the hour was late and everyone had retired to rest except for themselves, he prepared to accompany them as he was. As they were leaving the room, he caught up his revolver. In case we meet the brown lady, he said laughing. When the inspection of the gun was over, the young men in the same spirit declared, They would accompany my father back, in case you meet the Brown Lady, they repeated laughing also. The three gentlemen therefore returned in company. I have heard him described how he watched her approaching nearer and nearer through the chink in the door, until as she was close enough for him to distinguish the colours and style of costume. He recognised the figure, a facility of the portrait of the Brown Lady, He had his fingers on the trigger of his revolver, and was about to demand it to stop and give reason for its presence here, when the figure halted on its own accord before the door behind which he stood, and holding the lighted lamp she carried to her features, grinned in a malicious and diabolical manner at him. This act so infuriated my father, who was anything but lamb-like in disposition that he sprang into the corridor and bound and discharged the revolver right into her face. The figure instantly disappeared. The figure at which, for several minutes, three men had been looking together, and the bullet passed through the outer door of the room, on the opposite side of the corridor, and lodged in the panel of the inner one. My father never attempted again to interfere with the brown lady of Ranum. Over the years, the sightings of the brown lady have diminished. I wonder if she has found peace, or are ghost like memories, and just fade over time. Our last stop is at Hampshire, at the Bramshill House. They were planning a Christmas wedding for Lord Lovell and his bride-to-be. The grand home was festooned with ivy and garlands, mistletoe hung from every doorway. For a bit of fun, the wedding party decided to play a game of hide-and-seek. The bride was to hide, the groom and his groomsmen would set out to find her hiding place. The first to discover the young bride would win a kiss for his prize. The wedding party excitedly set about looking for her, but their excitement soon faded and was replaced with panic. After what had began as a game turned into an hours-long search party, there was no sign of the hiding mistletoe bride. Years would go by, and at Christmas time, the Lord would set about searching for his lost bride to no avail. Then 50 years later, he was in a rarely used room and heard a scratching coming from a panel in the wall. He knocked about on the wall until he found a hidden lever in the fireplace mantle and opened a hidden door. Had he found a forgotten priest hole? He entered the small closet-like room. The only thing inside was an ornate, ancient, wooden trunk with its latch in place. He thought he heard another faint scratching sound. He shook his head in horror as the reality of the situation settled around him. He rushed to the trunk, threw open the latch and the lid along with it, he gasped and recoiled from the contents within. Inside was a skeleton wearing the remains of a wedding dress. The inside of the chest had claw marks and broken pieces of fingernails embedded into the old wood, where the young woman had tried to claw her way out of her hiding place. But Lord Lovell finally knew what had become of his mistletoe bride. Side note. And I think I have at least one for each story. First off, Anne Boleyn, I want to share how many of us remember the order of Henry VIII's six wives. Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. So that's Catherine and Jane and Catherine and Catherine. I don't think they had very many names to go around back in the 16th century. Now, Sandringham House. So many stories come out of this house and we say house loosely here, is the Dang Palace. It's an ancient building built on top of even more ancient foundations. The Brown Lady. I actually lean toward kind of believing this one. I had my doubts until I looked up what smallpox can do to your eyeballs. This would explain the black eye sockets where Dorothy's eyes should have been. Also, don't Google smallpox eyes. Our last story of the Mistletoe Bride, Bramshill House, is also one of ancient origin, and it was also recorded in the Doomsday Book. It's also reportedly the home of 14 ghosts, including that of the Grey Lady and of the Mistletoe Bride. Next time we decide to do a UK edition of Lots, we'll have to revisit Bramshill for sure. I hope y'all enjoyed our first Straight Out of the South episode this month. Did you enjoy these Christmas ghost stories? Maybe share them with your friends and family and start a new tradition. Oh, and what to recommend. I always struggle with this. I guess I need to think of them in advance. If you enjoyed these tales from the UK, check out the podcast, Knock Once for Yes. It's hosted by an English couple who share listener stories and then tell the history and hauntings of different locations around the UK. And also, follow us on social media. Look for us on Facebook and Instagram. I always share pics that relate to each episode, and this one is going to be picture-heavy. We really need y'all's positive reviews. You can leave them on, on Apple Podcast or on the LOTS Facebook page. We're fixing to celebrate our first podcast birthday and still have the same five reviews. Share us with your friends. Help us grow. Have a show idea or we're going to get in touch? Email the show at laurathesouth at gmail.com. And with that, we'll talk to y'all later on Lore of the South.